Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. Millions of workers in France have downed tools to fight hated President Emmanuel Macron's attack on pensions. The CGT Union Confederation reports that one and a half million protested throughout the country during the 5th December strike and over 800,000 on 10th December. In between, transport workers have kept communication routes in a state of near paralysis. Blocked from ending austerity and privatisation through the rigged electoral system which capitalism offers, ordinary people in France have taken matters into their own hands. First in the heroic movement of the Gilets Jaunes, the Yellow Vests, now in what may be the biggest strike in a quarter of a century in France. Days before Britain's general election could return any kind of new regime, this episode of Socialism looks at workers carrying on political struggle by other means. France on strike. This episode of Socialism, speaking with socialists from France, was recorded around one month ahead of this historic fight back on the streets. Gauche Révolutionnaire, the Socialist Party's sister party in France, says the enormous strike of 5th December opened a breach in the situation, and now is the time to remind workers of the traditions of the general strikes of 1936 and 1968, which all but overthrew French capitalism. Gauche Révolutionnaire also says the union leaders must break off the phony negotiations with Macron, designed only to demobilise the strikes. They must propose a schedule of escalating strikes, and start testing out the idea of building for a continuous general strike. General assemblies must be held in all workplaces and localities to discuss the hows and the whens of the strike and the broader strategy. And France's working class out of this needs its own political organisation, a mass party of workers to unify and guide its struggles. Now here are our comments on the general situation recorded before the strike. Hello everyone, my name is Theo Sharif, I'm the Socialist Party's Youth and Student Organiser and this week I'm joined by Cécile Rambou from the National Committee of Gauche Révolutionnaire. Gauche Révolutionnaire is the sister party of the Socialist Party of England and Wales and the CWI in France, so welcome and hello to Cécile. Hey, thanks um, for having me. No, it's a pleasure to have you. So, just to get the discussion kicked off a little bit, France is headed for a general strike on the 5th of December. Who is going out on strike and why are they going on strike? Right, so the strike on the 5th of December is going to be a national day of strike action. It's cross-sector, right? So it means that several unions, trade union confederations, are calling all of their members mm -hmm. to take strike action against Macron and mm -hmm. his destruction of the pension system. Mm -hmm. Which means, the latest reform means that only those who can afford to save during their working life, will be able to live longer and to actually enjoy their pension time. Right. And most workers absolutely reject this proposal. Mm. So basically, it's for now hard to say which sectors exactly will be on mm. strike this day. All sectors are called to go on strike, to mm. leave work, go out and demonstrate. For now, we know for sure that there's going to be a huge strike in the transport in the public transport, both locally, in Paris, for example, where I come from, mm -hmm. it's most likely that most of the transport, buses, railways, the tube is going to be paralysed, but also in the country, 
the SNCF, so the National Railway Company. Right. And many workers will be on strike, we expect. And also, the strike has taken place in a context where there are strikes taking place. The hospitals, for example, have mm. been on strike regularly for the past six months. The firefighters had a national day of strike during the month of September. Also, the teachers waged several strikes locally. And the anger we could feel is growing. And there's a willingness to really take decisive action to mm. be able to stop this reform and to stop Macron's policy in general because it's been so, so unfair. Mm. <laughs> so the 5th of December is going to be a big day of strike. That's certain. Mm. It might go on in the day after and maybe even the week after. Mm. There are calls right now for what we call an unlimited as all out general strike mm. and some sectors some unions are building for that we ourselves are bidding for that in the gauche revolutionnaire but we also are careful the way that we see this day of action because a day of action on the 5th of december is actually very late during mm. the year mm. christmas will be there very soon and the pressure to you know, buy gifts That's to, right. to the kids. Yeah. The pressure is going to be there. Mm. So we know that there is a huge potential for a big general strike against Macron and his pension reform. But the lateness of the date might also be an obstacle. But it will depend on how the strike has been built up to then, including there will be a strike called in some sectors mid-November on the 14th. Mm -hmm. And if this strike is a success, then it might be a very good thing for the preparation of December the 5th. Right. So we will see, but mm. we are in an eruptive situation. Yeah, so it's still unclear, isn't it? And it's obviously very, very exciting news that this date has been called. But like you said, for a combination of reasons, for the lateness of the date in the calendar year, and also how unclear it is who exactly will be coming out. I guess that brings us on to our next question and in terms of what does the movement behind the general strike need to most effectively mobilise workers and ultimately to win as well? Right. Well, I mean, obviously, such a strike needs to be prepared. Mm. So we think that there needs to be general assemblies in the workplaces. Right. We think that obviously the trade unions that really want to stop this reform need to mobilise. Mm. That would be the, mm -hmm. the first start, let's say, because some more right-wing trade union leaders have already said that if Macron was to have a proper negotiation, then they would not call for strike action. And of course, we think that's a huge mistake. So we think that the workers should organise in their workplaces. Of course, they should organise in their trade unions and put pressure on their own leaders for them to actually campaign for this strike to be a success. We also think that it could be a good idea to use the state of November the 14th, like to really strike a blow and have a powerful strike on this day, because it could be used as an ultimatum to the government. Saying, okay, we had this day on strike. It was powerful. We showed our strength. Mm. It's still at its potential you know, level. But if you don't withdraw your reform by December, then uh, 
December the 5th will be the start of an all-out mm-hmm. general Something strike. even bigger. Indeed. Mm. We think that with such a plan, then the strike action could be, uh, could be decisive. Uh, but then there is also the more general context of the crisis of capitalism. Mm. The thing is, the struggle for every basic demands brings about almost immediately the question of system change. Mm. And we think that for this strike to be successful, there needs to be an alternative that the workers could follow to not just top one more reform, but to actually change things, change mm. the way they live, change their wages, you know, have w- uh, shorter working weeks, mm-hmm. more, as you say, paid leave. Mm-hmm. Why not? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've already got six weeks, but why not seven, eight, etc. Because this huge unemployment, so the working hours need to be shortened. That's really obvious. So there needs to be, as well, as a, a really strong plan for this strike action, there needs to be, as well, a campaign for another society, yeah. right? a campaign for socialism. Because we don't think that a general, an actual all-out general strike can happen if there is no plan to change society. Yeah, and that has to be through like socialist uh, propaganda. And this is what we do, but... We have to say that we're really among the few who actually do this job. So obviously we had limited influence, but we will do everything we can. Mm-hmm. And we'll be discussing a little bit later exactly what programme that Ghost Revolutionaire in France advances to kick out Macron and end the attacks of French capitalism on workers and young people. But just before we get on to that, I think we should discuss a little bit more because obviously this hasn't been an easy year whatsoever for the French president Emmanuel Macron, already he's been faced with mass protests by the Gilets Jaunes, the Yellow Vests, both last year and earlier this year. And we've discussed those movements, the Gilets Jaunes movement, in previous episodes. Could the Gilets Jaunes movement still become a force for change in France? Well, the Gilets Jaunes movement has really been decreasing, right? The Mm. demonstrations are still going on, but they're tiny. It's only a few dozens of people who are out on the streets. But the thing is, the, this movement allowed millions of people to realize that their problems were actually not only their own, but mm. that there were millions of us who had the same problems. If the prices are too high, mm. the wages are too low, transport prices are too high, mm-hmm. the public services are, you know, crumbling, etc. But then, because of political confusion, but also because of lack of proper organization, uh, the movement could not evolve beyond what it was when it started, Mm. and that is demonstrations every Saturday. Mm. But we can see that demonstrations every week, you know, as many people as you bring out on the streets, they cannot be enough to make the power, you know, back off. Mm. And we can see that very clearly in Algeria, where you have a similar situation. Mm. The weekly demonstrations are not enough because you need to like strike the capitalists where it actually hurts them, you know, and that's the money. You need to actually strike, fight in your workplace to demand actual change. Yeah. So this is the things that the Gilets Jaunes brought, you know, the need to fight. They brought it in front of the scene very clearly. They also allowed, you know, vast layers of the population to be actually able to see how unfair Macron's policy was, how he was only the president of the rich. But then it wasn't able, because of the lack of political program, to call for strike action, to organize, to um, elect delegates, for example, 
to have regional assemblies and even national assemblies to discuss what demands we should fight for, how we should organize, etc. But it's interesting though because many Gilets Jaunes actually became militants, Mm. more or less on their own, because they participated in the demonstrations. They went to occupy the roundabouts and they were very militant and very stubborn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then, right now, many of these people, whenever they see a strike action, a picket, they would just go with their yellow jackets and bring support just by being there. So we, yeah. have, we have a layer that, that's evolved, but it's only a minority. So we previously in our paper, for example, put forward the need for the Gilets Jaunes to actually make links with the trade union movement. But it's, it's still, I mean, we, we can't say that it did happen on a vast scale. Yeah, but I think one thing that you said there, that what the Gilets Jaunes movement did do, it acted as a bit of a trigger for other sectors of society to come out. And I think definitely one of the sections that it triggered to come out into the streets and to join the movement were young people, students who have been facing reforms by the Macron government in education, austerity in education. So how exactly have young people been fighting back in France recently? Well, in this eruptive situation, every issue becomes potentially explosive. Mm. And the young people did not take part in the demonstrations of the Gilets Jaunes. We didn't see so many young workers participating in and some strikes that took place or some demonstrations that took place. But this one thing that we saw, the um, demonstrations for the climate against climate change mm. were really big. Mm. But we could see that the climate issue was the vehicle through which the youth mobilized against the system. And really, the protests that took place in September, they were really, really dynamic really you could, you could feel a real you know willingness to actually change the world and change society mm-hmm. and this mood you could tell was really fueled by the general anger that yeah. exists in society against how absurd this society is mm-hmm. uh, you know the fact that france is such a powerful country and we still have 9.3 million people living in poverty so there haven't been massive protests of the youth against, mm. for example, Macron's attacks on education, even if there have been attacks on education. But it's a minority of the youth who have been mobilizing in the universities mm-hmm. and even in schools. Mm. But we know that this situation is not going to last forever because we could see that through the climate change protests, many youth in France want to actually change things. So... Mm. We think that the work struggle that are going to take place by the end of the year also are going to encourage the youth to mobilize themselves and probably the next World Day of Action Against Climate Change on on November the 29th is going to be a big day of protests in France. We expect that. And just sort of discussing a little bit more the environment because it's a little bit of an offshoot but it's, it's linked to that as well because recently I've seen in the news that there's been very big protests after the explosion of a chemical factory in Rouen in the north of France around Normandy. What's the response of the local community been to that? Well, there's been a terrible, terrible accident at one chemical plant in Rouen, as you said. The plant is called Lumbrisol. It's owned by the billionaire Warren Buffett. And so it burned during the night of the 25th to the 26th September. And there was black cloud of smoke over the city. 
and had the wind blown in the other direction this night, the people would have been under this smoke and there probably would have been people who died. You know? mm. Probably people would have died if they had been directly under this cloud of smoke because mm. it's it's chemical products. So you, you could see that the cloud was actually black. That's awful. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, this accident reveals how absurd and malfunctioning the system really is mm. from beginning to the end. So the accident happened one night. Macron, just weeks before it happened, had passed a bill, a law, to allow companies like this one to store even more quantities of dangerous products in one place. So if this law had not been passed, then the fire could have happened, but it would have been less serious, right? And second, Macron also passed a law that ended, uh, suppressed the workers' committees, the trade union-led committees, for safety and hygiene. Of course, any worker would know that you do not leave such a huge amount of dangerous products without surveillance, right? But the night that the burning happened, there was no one in the factory and around to watch if everything was fine. So the accident was aggravated directly by Macron's policies for the rich. Mm. Then you could tell also yeah, how capitalism doesn't work at every level. For example, the prefect, so who is the only person who is able to sound the alarms, the public alarms, mm-hmm. right, in case of dangers. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the alarms were set off at 8.39 in the morning. So what does it mean? That we have to wait for Mr. Prefect to be awake mm-hmm. so that the population could be aware that they were in danger. Mm-hmm. But at this time, the workers were already at work or going to work or taking their kids to school. But then the alarms were only set off so late. Workers were denied their right to leave work. There's a right that remains in France, one of the few that remains, that if you are a worker and you feel you're in a situation of danger, you have the right to pull off, I would say. (laughs) The translation would be that. Mm. But some workers were denied by their managers the right to leave work, Mm. even though some workers, you know, felt dizzy from the from the smoke and, and even fainted. And even in the classes, the old schools remained open. Our comrades there who are teachers, they saw their, their own pupils you know, feeling dizzy, vomiting mm. in the classes. Mm. And they had to go on strike for the kids to be able to be sent home. Mm. So this is how absurd the situation revealed to be. And, of course, because the prefect and the regional executive backed by the national executive, of course, they're so obviously on the side of Warren Buffett that there is no information given. And there had to be several demonstrations, protests, petitions, for some elements to be given to the population. And we've been really a crucial factor in this mobilization. We organized a public meeting where people could discuss the situation and actually vote for a list of demands to present to the prefect saying we want the truth about Libridol, mm. we want Warren Buffett to pay mm. for all of the damages, and if he doesn't want to pay, then the plant needs to be nationalized mm-hmm. and put under the workers' control and management. Mm. Because, I mean, such a, such a dangerous 
plant business should not be privately owned. No. It does not make sense, no. <laughs> really. So we've been really a leading factor in this mobilization, but it's going to go on because the truth, they're working really hard to hide the truth mm. from the population. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have to last, mm. right? And it's going to last maybe over years because who knows, you know, maybe what kind of cancer the people are going to be victim of in some years. Mm. You know? So all comrades... They were interviewed in the media and uh, and on TV. So it really gave a good echo to our demands, and especially the one about nationalisation, by the way. And the accident itself is scandalous. And I think when you consider all of the attacks of Macron's government against workers and students, including the deregulations which led to this accident, the chemical plant in Rouen, I think it's no wonder, really, that workers are looking for answers. They're looking for political answers to the problems of their daily lives and to achieve a better society. But why is it then that in, for example, the most recent European elections in France, the far right, Marine Le Pen, gained votes? And what can workers and young people actually do in order to fight back against that and stop the far right from being on the rise in France? Right. Well, I think that, first of all, we need to be careful about the so-called rise of the far right because we've been analysing that it's been mostly in in the elections, that the far-right had been able to gain votes. But why do we need to be cautious? Because, first of all, this gain of votes of Marine Le Pen did not have any effect at all on the struggles and of the capacity of the workers to go on strike. Because, obviously, they are ultra-capitalists. They are pro-capitalist, this party. So they don't want people to struggle and they want, don't want people to fight. So they have their you know, old propaganda against trade unionists, against strikes, against the railway workers in particular. But their whole propaganda against you know, struggle in general did not have an effect on the actual class struggle. So this, this shows that their so-called rise is actually mostly electoral. But then we should not, you know, like minimize. Yeah, underestimate. Underestimate, yeah. yeah. The fact that they they actually gain votes because mm. then it shows also a potential for them to become actually dangerous. Yeah. We have to say though that Mind Events Party changed names recently. Okay. You know it's called the Rassemblement National, it means national gathering. Okay. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it used to be called Front National. That's one step forward, one more step in the direction of this party to become acceptable for the bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Right? So this means that the most you know, fascist elements in the party are very discontent and some of them just you know, left the party, many of them left the party because Marine Le Pen, she wants to be elected so bad that she really put milk in her program yeah okay <laughs> i don't know if that's the thing to say but i'm not sure what see, what that exactly means she's been trying to soften oh i see like, okay her program mm-hmm. like make it more sweet you know hence the milk and in what areas exactly do you think that she's trying to do that to become more legitimate in the eyes of the capitalist establishment and the rest well, of well she's trying for example to take distance from the most racist elements both in her party and in her program mm. she's denied some of the position of her very, very racist father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, mm. and stuff like that. And she's really trying to sound business-friendly. Okay. Right? So, of course, I mean, as usual, she would support deregulation of, of labour and stuff. But it's, it's really obvious that she wants to be elected. 
And Macron is really giving her a lot of terrain, to, mm. a lot of ground to actually make her racist propaganda because she's still a very racist. She still stands on a very racist program. That's not to be doubted. Macron, for example, feeling that the ground was slopery behind him, mm-hmm. especially with this pension reform, he recently went on a racist anti-Muslim campaign mm. against women wearing the veil in the streets. It gave a lot of publicity to the Rassemblement National. We have to say that Macron makes things easy for Marine Le Pen. So, back to your question yeah. about the Euro election. The thing is, she was more or less the only one to have a very clear position against the EU. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, and mm. there is an anti-EU feeling, you know, uh, which is perfectly understandable because mm. the EU is always has always been used as an excuse for the privatizations, mm. etc. As we know, and it benefited to her primarily because on the left there is not really, you can say that there is a left position against the EU. Jean-Luc Mélenchon's position is it's not that clear. You know, he's got, I don't know if it exists in, in Britain or if, if it did exist before Brexit, this uh, left European plan A, plan B kind of deal. No. But, I mean, it's like the plan A is if the EU accepts our proposals to have more public services, for example, then we stay in the EU. But mm-hmm. if they don't, then we go out. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, so it's not really clear. And the workers have absolutely no role to play in such a deal, right? So Mélenchon's position was not was not that clear. So in the Euro election, she was able to gain votes. But then, again, it doesn't have an impact in the class struggle. But still, Macron... Well, there's been lately a really terrible campaign by the government to try to blame Muslim people for all the problems of society. But that's... Of course, to divide the workers, but mm. also to hide the facts that they are responsible. It's Macron who abolished the tax on wealth that deprived us of 3 billion euro. But we say that the problem are not the migrants or the Muslim. We no. say that the problem is Macron yeah. and the capitalists. And we also say, it's very important, is that the people that are victim of racism in particular have to organize and struggle with those who fight Macron's policies, or in particular, um, the trade unions. In all the media, it's really unbearable. All day, you hear about the Muslims, Veldwimen, etc. It's all over the place. He's really trying to divide the workers, because he feels that the anger is boiling, and that with all of these strikes preparing, he needs to to divide the workers. That's helping the far right as well. No, and that's precisely it, isn't it? What Macron and Le Pen share is the capitalist strategy of divide and rule of working class people in order to prevent a working class fight back. Yeah, absolutely. But we would say because of that, that probably the best way that, you know, people, workers, young people, students can fight against the rise of racism and the rise of the far right is by building strong workers' organisations and parties which can unite working class people in the face of the bosses and the system of capitalism. So you said one point you made was calling a national demonstration against racism, you know, mobilised around a programme of housing for all workers, 
trade union struggle to increase wages and living standards and working conditions. Because you know that in one university near Paris, the manager, chief of the university, send an Excel file with so-called signs of radicalisation oh, yeah, to yeah. identify people. That happens in Britain. There's a government policy called Prevent, which teaches people in all educate from primary, primary school. Mm. So there's a policy of teachers interrogating and questioning primary school children That's about religious radicalisation, like signs from their homes. Oh. and Yeah. Well, you see, the situation is really far from that in France. Right, okay. Because, like, this uh, this thing was a personal initiative from that. But that was a big scandal, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay, so, yeah, it is different. Yeah, it is yeah. different. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, if you see a man wearing pants that end up here, it's a sign of radicalization. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a big scandal. So, what about those left parties in France? Where are they up to? Is there... A political force which could become a vehicle for workers' struggle and young people to fight Macron and his attacks, such as you mentioned before, Jean Luc Mélenchon and his political organization, if you could call it that, uh, France Insoumise, France Unbowed. Where are they at the moment? Well, um, uh, where to begin? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, really, where to begin? Because the left is very divided. And there are also the um, local elections that are coming in, in March. Okay. And everyone's more or less preparing that right now. But it's really terrible, the situation, because there is a huge potential for fight back against mm. Macron. There is even, if we talk about racism, there is a huge rejection of racism. But no one, no left party is calling for, I mean, just as simple as a national demonstration against racism. Mm. Which would be, I mean, now is the time to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. We have the last page of the paper is against racism because we want to we want to campaign about this in this period, but they're not calling for anything. So there is the thing about the elections, the Communist Party, which is still one of the biggest left parties in France. They are trying to make deal with the rotten Socialist Party, which is absolutely pro-capitalist, 200%. Mm for the local elections because they don't want to lose some seats that they have. If we talk about the, the far left, they are really, really divided. And really, they proved how how incapable they are to put forward a programme mm. to unite all the struggles mm-hmm. and to put forward a plan of action mm. to fight and defeat Macron. Most of the far left, for example, have been very, very sectarian against the Gilets jaunes. Mm. Most of the farmers would say that the gilets jaunes are racist, that they are homophobic, backwards, etc. Mm-hmm. None had a position to actually you know, participate, to try to clarify the consciousness of people who were participating in this protest. Mm. Because obviously there were elements of confusion, as I said before, but there was huge openness to discuss. You know? And if you would just say, we are stronger if we are united... It would be obvious to most of the people who participated in the demonstration. But I think as well, and, and I mean, just, you know, going back to the last general election in France, I mean, discussing sort of building a left party, a workers' party, I think in Britain, Jean-Luc Mélenchon did get a fair bit of attention in the last general election. Some of the points that he put in his programme, an anti-austerity manifesto by and large, that had a lot of potential to win, I think, but what is the history of sort of Mélenchon's party, France Insoumise, 
and what would we say the weaknesses of his organisation are? Because I think he was in a position, wasn't he? He had a very strong pole of attraction, potentially, for a lot of workers and young people, lots of whom voted for him in the last general election, but... Presidential he, The presidential election, sorry. <laughs> but since then, it's stalled somewhat, hasn't it? I mean, what would we say in Gauche Revolutionaire that Jean-Luc Mélenchon and the movement, if you want to call it that, or, or the organisation around him, what steps does he need to take now to advance the interests of the working class I was, I was, and youth in France? I was getting there because it's the more or less the only force that's capable of having an actual impact and that's willing to do so. But the problem, the main problem of France Insoumise, as you said, is that they are not a party. And so it's a movement, officially. It's mm-hmm. been launched as a movement and it continues as a movement. Jean-Luc Mélenchon, he had 7 million votes in the first round of the presidential election. It came really, really close that he managed to get in the second round. But then again, Marine Le Pen was far more useful for the capitalists to be Macron's fake adversary in the mm-hmm. second round. So, really, Jean-Luc Mélenchon was the enemy. I mean, like, in Britain, there's an obvious VA of the media against Jeremy Corbyn. Right? Yeah. Well, it was the same about Mélenchon. He was mm-hmm. the devil. Jean-Luc Mélenchon in the power, <laughs> then France would be Venezuela. <laughs> yeah. That was what was on the media. Very similar to what we hear about Corbyn. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because there's a real fear mm. of what, you know, if these people would be elected or came close to be elected, what this would provoke in mm. terms of confidence to fight back. And Jean-Luc Mélenchon and France Insoumise really, really showed how much potential there is for a new mass workers' party. But there's been a conscious refusal to build a party. So Mélenchon said that the shape of the movement was more flexible, but we, the work is the youth, they need to organize. Uh, they don't need to be part of something where, you know, an organization where there are no meetings, where they cannot make actual decisions about the program, where they cannot vote to elect their representatives where they cannot discuss what their own representatives in the parliament actually say and where they can also discuss how to face the attacks because the attacks against François Soumise are really there's a lot of them and most importantly the militants of François Soumise they do not have a program to defend in the election all they have is the election program but an election program is not carved in stone first of all, and then it's not a fighting program to fight for, you know, the general strike, to fight for a revolution. François Soumise's militants were, from the beginning, part of the Gilets jaunes. They went there. Mélenchon was the only one, the only main, main politician, say, to have a correct position on the Gilets jaunes. He said that the Gilets jaunes were angry, but not far-right racist, and that, of course, they are angry at what they can see, and that we need to explain, understand, and he called everyone to participate in the protests. But there was no framework in which the Insoumis, where the militants of France Insoumis were able to actually discuss what they would put forward when they participated in the Gilets jaunes demonstration. What strategy for the Gilets jaunes to be able to actually score, you know, victories against Macron. So it means that France Insoumis is losing its potential mm. because it's not been able, because of it's a political, programmatic difference. 
about what kind of society we want to build and how, how we do that. Do we want socialism? Do we want a nicer capitalism? These are fundamental questions. So François Soumise was not able to develop itself as a party that is a democratic tool in the hands of the militants. And when you say militants, by the way, do you mean... I mean members. Members, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we call <laughs> different Difference between French and English. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. <laughs> and I guess just to finish then, I mean, that's very interesting about you know, France and Soumise and the kind of organisation we want to fight for it to become in order to advance the interests of workers and young people. The thing is, yeah. we do not know mm. whether a new party will emerge from France Soumise or not. We can't say we want France Soumise to become a party. We say that it should be a party. It really is losing its potential. Uh, that's a factor, right? Probably, maybe a new formation will, will emerge, you know, we don't know. But whether it's going to be France Soumise is really not sure, right? That's interesting. But I suppose, regardless, as Marxists, we try our best to predict what's coming and to understand the processes at play. But even if we don't know what exact organisational form a new mass workers' party in France is going to take, what programme, what policies do we say that organisation, that new mass workers' party, what policies and programme do we say it needs in order to succeed, to kick out Macron and ultimately fight for, as you said earlier, a socialist alternative to capitalism in France? Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No, I mean, I'm, I think that, first of all, the central thing is that it should be a socialist party. Actually, not like the socialist party that we have, it should fight for socialism. And just to clarify, when you say socialist party, so there's no confusion for our listeners... Yeah. The Parti Socialiste, which is sort of the French version of the British Labour Party and other social democratic parties of the Second International. Yeah, and it really was, I mean, it, <laughs> it was really finished after Hollande's presidency. It was finished. Mm. Yeah. But not enough for the Communist Party to make alliances with them in the first rounds of <laughs> the local elections, anyway. Awful. Um, yeah, 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 so awful. So, the programme of this party should be for socialism. It should advocate, it should defend the need, the necessity of a socialist society mm. to replace capitalism. Mm. Most people think that capitalism is broken, and they are right. Mm -hmm. But most people would not know what to fight for, because we don't have a party that defends this as you know, a viable alternative for the workers. So we say that if a party was to, you know, emerge, maybe from François Mies, maybe from somewhere else, it should defend socialism. It's really crucial because the lack of perspective, the lack of alternative against capitalism is really a huge obstacle in the, in the way of the working class actually fighting against Macron or whoever. It's really a huge obstacle mm -hmm. because we don't know you know, really what to fight for. Mm -hmm. So it should obviously defend the nationalization mm -hmm. of the commanding heights of the mm -hmm. economy, mm -hmm. that these be put in workers' control mm -hmm. and management, mm -hmm. under mm -hmm. democratic workers' control and management, mm -hmm. that the economy should be planned on that basis, that all basic public services should be, you know, free, of course, but that, uh, you know, there's free education, free health system, because we have the means to do it. It's just a matter of, uh, of really who is in power. So we would defend demands like that. 
Obviously, we would also want this party to base itself on international solidarity, internationalism, even if that maybe would be too long to go into right now. And it should be a democratic organization where all public representatives are elected by the membership. They would be subject to recall by the membership. No one should be able to like gain money from an elected position for personal benefits, stuff like that. And these demands would really meet a huge echo amongst the workers and the population. Yeah, I think that I think that would be most of it, you know. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> the, the main the main points. So Cecile from the CWI in France, Gauche Revolutionaire, thank you. Yeah, well, welcome. And it's not just France where the workers have been hitting the bosses where it hurts. There is the possibility of a strike wave in Britain as well. 60 institutions across the UK, universities, have been out on strike. A national strike of postal workers, narrowly avoided for now by an attack from the High Court. Southwest railway workers on strike almost for the entire month of December. And here's an interview with one of the other many struggles unfolding in Britain today, which the Socialist Party says should be brought together and coordinated. This is Socialist Party London organiser Helen Patterson speaking to a striking tax office worker in Ealing. Okay, so we're on the picket line outside Ealing tax office with one of the strikers who wants to say a few words. So uh, yeah, I'm, Mark. I'm a PCS member in Ealing office. We're on strike today because we are facing redundancy because they want to close the office and relocate the office to Stratford or Croydon or even Reading. And so half our members can't get there, so they're facing redundancy. The ones who will attempt to go there will be doubling their travel time from an hour to two, maybe three hours. It takes up a lot of time in your day when you've got family responsibilities and childcare and dependent relatives. So that's why we campaign to keep the last remaining office in West London open. We're the last office, the closest office to Heathrow Airport. We're bringing lots of money for the Chancellor in taxation, VAT, and national insurance and I don't want to lose my job I'm here it's our second strike our next strike is on the 12th of December and hope all the other public members out there will support our campaign good luck and solidarity socialism is produced by the socialist party the England and Wales section of the committee for a workers international this week we heard from Cecile Rambou speaking to Theo Sharif and Helen Patterson interviewing a striking tax office worker, as well as me, James Ivans. To read the latest from Gauche Revolutionnaire and find out about joining, visit gaucherevolutionnaire.fr. That's G-A-U-C-H-E-R-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-N-A-I-R-E dot F-R. If you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party in England and Wales is fighting for, we need you. Join our fight for a winning strategy in the Labour and Trade Union movement, before and after the election. Join the Socialist Party now. Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside England, Wales or France and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. Help us spread the word by giving us a five-star review and subscribing so you don't miss out. Don't forget to recommend us to your co-workers and friends. We want you to send us recordings from picket lines and campaigns and reports of your activity. 
and we want your questions, comments and ideas for future episodes. Email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk Socialism the Podcast has no wealthy backers. We survive thanks to the financial support of ordinary working class and young people and we're proud of the political independence that gives us. If you like what you hear, help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Till next time, solidarity.